This is the Power Moves Podcast. people welcome to episode four of the power moves fitness podcast Uh, i just got the giggles a little bit i don't know why but (laughs) um just recording episode four now with ailish um this episode is called recover better um having a bit of a manic day today um i was actually just explaining my or telling my day to my client and um, saying what was going on today and she was like oh it's great there's lots of variety bit of chaos (laughs) <laughs> I don't like chaos. Everything's gonna be like <laughs> everything's gonna be like Ordered. rigid, yeah. So a bit of chaos going on today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how are you doing, Aish? You alright? I'm good, thank Say you. Hello to the people. I'm uh, I'm a bit different to you. I quite like chaos. That's how I perform yeah, better when there's a thousand things going on. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> if it's too structured and rigid, I'm bored. So yeah, you got you got to have a little bit of chaos. Yeah, to keep it little exciting. mix, little mix, exactly. God. Um, All right, so what have you been doing since the last time we had you on here? Um, what have I been doing? Training, working, normal yeah, stuff. Fine, yeah, it's going well actually. I've just, as I was just saying, um, outsourced my own personal training to another coach because cool. it's nice sometimes to have someone who is very objective about what you need to do and okay. will just tell you. These are your priorities, X, Y, and Z. It's easy when you train yourself a lot and you're kind of really interested in it to constantly want to do everything and try everything. But actually, it's nice when someone can just take the reins a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, who's 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 coaching you then? It's a guy called Matt Oyn. He's actually based in California in a gym over there. Um, I've kind of got in contact or just yeah create a relationship with him through the functional range conditioning platform cool. um, another practitioner in that area and yeah I just um, started mainly through social media which is always an yeah. interesting one but started yeah. yeah well you know when you just kind of uh, get in touch with someone and they have share some similar principles yeah. um, he's a really smart guy and yeah has really interesting thoughts and stuff so it's nice yeah, social media powerful it's good. yeah it exactly people. there it's are good. there are many positives too yes all the negative so what's the um there. what's the nature of the training with him what's um so he yeah he he noticed a couple of discrepancies in in what yeah in how i was moving particularly around my hip external rotation and so okay. um maybe i was avoiding loading my spine in certain ways okay um just from my own biases and, and subjective experiences cool um and he he was kind of like I think you need to do this. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you write it then. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that's so what yeah. it's all about, isn't it? It's, exactly. Especially if you have a busy work schedule or busy exactly. diary, if you don't want to be spending time. Yeah, and it's nice to always, as to also have someone to kind of answer to, like when you yeah. are tired and you've got a lot going on yeah. and it, the easiest thing is to do the stuff that you're good at. Yeah. Um, so it's nice when someone's like, I, I don't want to let him down, right? Yeah, so exactly. I've got to do what exactly. I'm told. You're accountable. Exactly. Yeah, so. I totally get that. Yeah. Like, I don't write any of my own programming. So I obviously do my powerlifting coaching with Chloe. She does a programming for that. Mm. Um, it's great. I don't have to worry about numbers. I just do what you're follow. Told. Yeah, do what you're told. <laughs> yeah, be disciplined. Yeah. Do what you're told. And that accountability. Um, also, I work with Mike Cowser at Lower. London Olympic Weightlifting mm. Academy who so I've got a session with him on a Friday yeah so again with the weightlifting because I'm very new to it I don't, I don't want to be just practicing the stuff that I'm good at or yeah. and the accountability is I have this in my diary I have to be there exactly. yeah and have to show up yeah. so um, really helps yeah, and definitely. obviously adding a little bit of core work um, to improve because I'm a bit lordotic yeah. with spine so strengthening my core will obviously improve that. Uh, my sister writes all that. Mm. So I don't, I was just like, Daniel, write this. Write some core stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then that's it. I just follow it. I don't, yeah. I, I program for so many people. I don't want to program for myself. Exactly. And I also way. think some of the most, some of the best teachers I've had are the people who have coached me because yeah. 
I've learned, I'm, I'm probably the most annoying person to coach because I'll ask so many questions and constantly yeah, want to know why. Um, but, but why? Yeah, but why, <laughs> but why though? But it really does help. You, it, it teaches you so much yeah, and exactly. gives you another person's point of view that's completely relatable to you and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've definitely learned off some amazing people yeah. who I've Especially being a coach yourself, it's always good to see how other people write exactly, programming or yeah. coach you or I think it's quite important. Yeah, and I've definitely had people coach me who I have felt uh, the main like thing it. I've learned, yeah, I didn't like it. And um, the main thing I've learned is how someone, how how that would be negative experience for people. And it's okay, not for yeah. everyone, but for yeah, certain yeah, people. Yeah, and, and just kind of learn certain people. I'm like, yeah, like this really works. And other people, yeah, or other things, work, yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. And you can kind of, you, you I guess, like fine tune your own skills by... Um, yeah, learning the kind of do's and don'ts from other people, which I think is just... That's no, true. Yeah. I've definitely always found coaching is... Um, it, it's, it comes down to likability as well. Yeah, likability and like um, connection kind of. It's like, yeah. it's like how people talk about like if you have a counsellor or, you know, yeah. whatever, like it's, it's not always about how good they are on paper. It's that connection that you yes, have with exactly. them. Very um, true. Certain people connect more with other people and that's... I think pretty invaluable when it comes to coaching. Very true. Right, so let's dig into, uh, we have some, I don't know what the word is, um, rigid schedule topics. <laughs> no chaos there. Oh God. I'll throw some chaos in there. Come here. So I see this episode is called Recover Better, leading on from our first episode, which was Get Better. Yeah, Get Better. Get Better. Yeah. This is Recover Better. All right. I'm good. I know. Nice theme. Nice <laughs> so the main topic we're going to talk about is injury rehab and the gap between injury and rehab and getting back to training. So if you can maybe drop some knowledge on there or what you what your thoughts are at the moment. Yeah. Why do injuries happen? Are they completely avoidable? How would you come back from an injury? Let's hear your thoughts. <laughs> sure. So I think I just uh, would like to preface um, this by saying I'm not a I'm not a physio. I've got no experience in that. Not any kind of clinical expert on injury in any way, shape, or form. Um, this is just something that I what I'll sort of talk about is um, something that I experience that happens really regularly. That there's a gap between people being sort of acutely injured, which is not my area. I, w I would um, outsource that if I had yeah. a client who was injured, um, and people who are ready to come back to training and what they and yeah where they're at then and, and yeah. what kind of training they can do then so i guess i just want to say that first before yeah, i get people i'll do the same if someone's got like they've tweaked something <coughs> or something doesn't feel right and it might be an injury or whatever you don't we might not know what it is yet yeah it might, it, you're just getting sensory response or pain exactly. or discomfort so then i'll say okay cool go see x y and z let's get a diagnosis see yeah. what is the problem yeah and then we can assess it and go okay what can we do what about can this? We do, exactly. What can we can't do? Yeah. yeah. And I saw a really good uh, infographic the other day about um, training and pain because pain is a really, as you said, a comp like a very complex wide spectrum. Yeah, yeah. A neurological response to many things that could be happening, and uh, it was just like a kind of a flow chart, like about what you should do if you're in pain and. And yeah, I guess some of the simple things are like, does it go away after a couple of days? Then you can probably continue training. Does it, can you, can you work around it? Different stuff like that, yeah. I guess. And uh, yeah, I think it's just important to understand the differences. And I guess as coaches and trainers, you have to be able to guide your clients if someone has a very acute yeah. issue or injury with, you You're going to get tweaks. You're going to get stuff, tweaks yeah. and stuff. And sometimes they're okay. And I, you know, sometimes they're not a big deal, but it's important to investigate where they come from, I guess. Um, but if there's like a very acute injury, you want to have them see someone whose so job it is to... If someone's sort of like struggling with, as I've got written here, how long, if you've been struggling with knee, back, shoulder, hip, some sort of, let's say uh, quite a bit of discomfort, maybe pain. Um, does it have to be that way? Like how would the person obviously maybe go see a physio or someone and diagnose the actual issue, but mm. does it have to be that way generally long term? So I guess, I guess it, de it depends, always depends. Um, if you've had, if you're someone who's had a, an acute injury at some point um, or ones that reoccur, yeah. um, 
the immediate time after that injury occurs, you do, you potentially do, you quite possibly need treatment with a professional in that area, yeah. so like physiotherapist or whatever. Um, if you chronically have some pain or discomfort or bother or like what I call like bad back syndrome, because often it's about people's backs, where they talk about how I just have a bad back and it creeps mm -hmm. in sometimes, or sometimes yeah. bad and sometimes, then I think it may, seeing a physio, may not always be 100% the answer because it's yeah. something you're dealing with in the long term. It, you know, you, lots of people do get good results from that, but, but if it's constantly sort of ongoing, you can kind of do stuff, but it kind of gets in the way. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily an acute injury, but that needs to be addressed and there ne needs Usually to be an understanding of why that is. Like it can be just weakness sometimes. Yeah, in a certain definitely. Area or over, overcompensation. Like obviously, it depends on the person, but sometimes the the bad back issue is something going on with the glutes, hips, I don't know, the way things are sitting. Maybe you're sitting, not sitting as in sitting down in a chair, but like your hip sitting in a certain way, tilted, shifted. Um, there's a lot of issues going on, but yeah, you've got, you, if you're in pain, so let's break it down. So discomfort is kind of okay, I think. A little bit of discomfort is okay. Mm. Yeah? I, I guess it's not, it, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, that's not a major thing. Obviously, you can kind of deal with that with self, I don't know, mobilization, just getting some treatment or something. But then you're gonna, on that scale, you'll go, okay, that's very dis uncomfortable. Then you probably have to take it a little bit more seriously. So let's say your knee hurts when you squat or something and it's really uncomfortable. It's not, it's not like um, pain that's gonna, it's detrimental. It's just discomfort and quite a lot of discomfort. So yeah, you need to go and address the issue there and find out what the problem is. But then if you have hot pain or sharp pain, I think that's more, that's a very, then that's, that's definitely something more serious. Yeah, I think, I think, mm, I think it's very difficult to just, to, to classify those yeah. things. It, yeah. it, like, because there's just so many things that can contribute yeah, to it exactly. and how people interpret pain is different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I mean, pain just in general is a very complex topic, so I, I, I'm not something that I'm a pro at, so I'm not yeah. going to get necessarily into that. But I think, I guess, yeah, so if we come back and just, like, bring it right back, like, classify what is injury and how do they happen, why do they happen. Yeah. So an injury will happen in a tissue, um, may that be muscle, tendon, ligament, bone, whatever, when that tissue experiences mm -hmm. a force that's greater than that uh, tissue can, than its capacity, than its cool. ability to, to ha handle. Good description. Yeah, so so for example, one that probably most people experienced, uh, they've rolled their ankle. Yeah, cool. Um, you may have done it walking down the street, you kind of fell off the sidewalk, you may have done it playing football, you know, lots of different ways to do it, but you go over on the outside of your foot or your ankle. Yeah. Why does that happen? So most of what we do day to day, even if we don't do anything, we walk in a kind of a straight line. We lift things up when our feet are flat on the floor. Yeah. If we are training, we're generally lifting with flat feet on the floor. It's very linear yeah. in how we're training. You never, you very rarely load the side of your foot. So yeah. in an instance when you fall off the footpath or you go for a header in football and land on someone's foot and roll yeah. your ankle, yeah. now you've got one, two, three, four, five times your body weight. Yeah. on a part of your foot that doesn't ever really yeah, experience any load, yeah, so exactly. it gets injured. Yeah, um, and that's a kind of an acute example of an area of the body that just generally isn't very well prepared and then experiences mm. injury quite often. Um, another one which I think, especially for like gym going folk, is, is pretty common if we come back to the back injury, for example. Um, I think there's two, so you can have kind of two main sort of reasons why they may happen so one is similar to ankle injury mm. in that say a lot of people don't have very good um, control or aren't able to move all of the segments on their spine yeah so for example you said to me this uh, just there you um, are lordotic I'm also quite lordotic so yeah. you have curve in your lower spine generally yeah. what happens then is people have quite a lot of movement in that lower spine okay and but they curve in the lower spine is normal. It's, just it's very no normal. Yeah, just yeah. lordotic is just uh, for listeners. It's excessive curve. Yeah. So everyone has a, yeah. everyone has curves in their spine. Lordotic yeah. people generally have, or people with lumbar lordosis have, uh, yeah, an the excessive, excessive yeah. curve. Again, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it's very common. common. Yeah, it's it's common. just it, yeah. It, what you tend to see in people with 
um, lower dotic lumbar spines is they tend to also have quite um, blocked up thoracic or mid spine. So okay, they, yeah. they don't always get a lot of movement in there because they rely a lot on the lumbar spine to do, yeah. the, to do the movement. So, um, and remember when I say something's locked up, if we go back to the first podcast, um, it's not that it doesn't, f it's not physically able to move. It's mm -hmm. that we haven't been using it. We haven't been relying on it. So we rely on the lower spine. So the mid spine doesn't do that much. Our brain's like, okay, well, I'm not using this. So I'm going to not yeah. provide any energy to it. So you kind of lose the ability to move it um, actively. And that comes from your nervous system being like, this doesn't move. So it can't produce force there. Yeah. So I'm not going to let it move. So it's a protective mechanism. Yeah. But in life, what happens, like you end up doing something that forces that part of the spine to, mm. to take some load. Yeah. So something happens when you, you get distracted when you're lifting, you pick up your kid and they throw a tantrum and like yeah. they end up forcing you in a funny position. Um, you're playing football and someone kind of crashes into you, whatever. Then you get, again, similar yeah. to the ankle. You've got a part of your spine possibly that doesn't do much movement, okay. having yeah. to take load. It doesn't have the capacity, bam, you've got an injury then the flip side of that is a more kind of like chronic version so in people again who are quite lordotic for example um, and they do all their movement through their lower back um, when they say for example they've trained a, an extra two sessions that week they've done lots of high intensity stuff they've where they've added loads more volume in their deadlifts um, they've also had a really stressful week at work they're kind of not slept well and then they might be the one where it, they might be picking up a pen and their back goes, yeah. their back goes, whatever. It's accumulation. It's accumulation. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of a more, but, but the, that happens often in that tissue that does all the work all the time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it, even it. though it has quite a high capacity, it just gets overloaded. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, so, so why do injuries happen? That's the tissue experiences but a load that is greater What you're talking about is really is so common. And I see it like... 80% of the time, someone's obviously training, lifting, whatever, weightlifting, squatting, deadlifting, and there is this, I say chronic, but this lower back pain that is always there. You can see it, yeah. the person's holding their back, they've done a set and they look, it didn't, it doesn't look good, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, you might, you might not be losing shape or, or you are losing shape, but then you can see it in someone's face, they're wincing. Yeah their back hurts, lower back hurts. And then even I'm really conscious of it when clients are doing deadlifts and squats, I'm always assessing and asking them for feedback, how yeah. does that feel, how yeah, does yeah, back yeah. feel? Yeah. And if they're going, even like something on a back extension, if they're going, okay, I'm feeling that a lot of burn in my lower back. Okay, we need to address the ability for you to not utilize your lower back only. The body is just using that too much yeah. when it should be using your hamstrings, glutes, stronger muscles. And you see it so much and it shouldn't, I say to everyone, if you're feeling pain in your lower back from squatting, deadlifting, doing these movements, that is not okay. Because that's gonna accumulate over time and eventually something's gonna give, like you said. So we don't wanna accumulate bad habits and reinforcing the body to put the weight or the load in a region that shouldn't really be doing it and not feeling pain from it anyway. And trying to accumulate good habits and feeling like your deadlifts in your legs, in yeah. your lats. I mean, but all of those things are things where you're loading your back, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I, and, and like, I, again, I have also struggled with this, right? Because I am quite lordotic and yeah. I avoided doing deadlifts, 100% honest, because yeah. I always felt a lot of load in my back when I did it. But then, one, deadlifts load your back. Yeah. Two, you're, even if I, just go about my day-to-day -day life. I always have to do a deadlift type movement, right? Yeah, of course. So I want to build up the capacity in my, in, in yeah. my back. Um, so, so it's kind of like, yeah, I guess a little bit the chicken and the egg. What I would argue is it comes back to is, if you only do that stuff, and yeah, yeah. you have a lot happening in your lower back, and you don't ever address how to change that from a kind of, um, fundamental point of view, i.e. how well do your hips work? Yeah. Do they function as hips? How well does your spine segment? Yeah. Do you have movement through that full back or are we just like smashing those couple yeah. of um, segments? Um, if you're not also addressing that, then I think that's where you, you 
it puts people at risk and actually that's where and that's why you yeah. see it so often because yeah. no one else no one's really going you, you know like how my how's my how well does my spine function they're going i want to deadlift i want to squat I wanna, and i think yeah. those things are necessary but yeah. also you've got to look on the flip side of those yeah of it shouldn't things. result in like bad pain it shouldn't result in pain and it should too much discomfort exactly um so yeah it's kind of and I guess that's why, as a trainer, you have to be very, as you yeah. said, aware of that and yeah. kind of like... Um, and yeah, I feel it comes down to, like you said, being able to organise your spine in a way. Yeah. And being self-aware of it and being able to utilise the muscles in and around the area, especially the lower back, so yeah. core, glutes, hamstrings, hips, um, which should do most of the work yeah. instead of like going, oh loads of tension and loads yeah. of loads going in the lower back. Yeah, it's so going to go there, but it shouldn't yeah, exactly. be pain. Exactly. And I think, so this is the way I like to look at things and it makes so much sense to me. So hopefully it also makes sense to other people. If you have, um, if we, let's talk about sort of deadlifts and squatting, for example. If you have a spine where all of the segments have some movement and you have hips that work really well and rotation, flexion, extension, that hips that function well as hips, mm -hmm you have way more options for whatever movement you want to do. So if I'm deadlifting, I've got room in my hip, I've got room through all of those segments of the spine. Every, every part of that's taking a little bit of load. So yeah, I'm getting lots of lower body in there, I'm getting lots of back, you know, but, and I'm, you know, on the anterior trunk as well, everything's doing work, but mm. it's kind of spreading it over yeah. a wider yeah. surface area yeah, exactly, in a way. Exactly. If I'm not looking after those things, if I've got shitty hips and I've got shitty back yeah. and other things possibly as well, yeah. then the bits that do work well, they're yeah. the bits that do all of the work, work yeah. all of the time. And yeah. that's where you end up exactly. with those kind of things. So it's just about giving you like freedom and degrees of movement. Um, and that's, I, I mean, I guess I see that a lot of people are like, you have people who are like foreign police, you know, like it must look this way. And I think it's, yeah. it's too much of a simplified not, yeah, not, version. Not necessarily, but sometimes it's how it feels compared to how it looks how it feels is important yeah, yeah. but I, I do think that you can't the reason i say form is not is not a number one indicator is that we are very good at making things look a certain way mm. if i ask someone to to do something to look a certain way they'll, they'll be able to figure out how to make it look that good yeah or make it look you know over time they'll get good yeah. at making it look how you want it to look but is it is it doing what you what you desire it to do? So it's not just about how it looks, I guess, mm. is what I'm saying. It, like you said, it's how, how it feels. Yeah, it's got to feel, cause, like, you can ask someone to do a squat and looks well, but if you're walking away holding your back, then it's not working properly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you're not but doing it effectively. Yeah. You're probably not using the right muscle groups. You're probably, as you said, not spreading the load through your hips, glutes, hamstrings, cores, and then you end up just a lot of that load just goes into the lower back and eventually accumulation, you're going to get an injury. And it's, it's, it's hard, obviously, dealing with some of the s smaller niggles and pains, but you've got to try and address it early, I think, as well, especially if you're feeling something that doesn't feel right, like you're getting a mild discomfort, then you've got to try to tackle it early before it becomes something yeah, bigger. Yeah, and to be honest, what I would argue is don't, it's not necessarily about addressing the one thing that's giving you trouble at that point. Mm. Make your, make your, so this is what they say in the FOC, is make shit work nice. Don't worry about, obviously if you've got an injury or a niggle, you're gonna be worried about that at the time, but, but everyone <laughs> who's training and even people who aren't training should be worrying about yeah. all of their joints and specifically yeah. hips, shoulders, and spine working like hips, shoulders, and a spine should do. Then you don't have to be as yeah. worried about recognizing something before because if things if those like key joints work really well already yeah. then you've got more options in your movement yeah, you've got more kind of freedom in what you do 100% agree uh, so injury rehab once we've had an injury how do we stop reduce the risk of it happening again yeah so I think um, people like if if what's the number one injury you have after you've rolled your ankle like what's the one you're going to have again? Yeah. You're going to well, roll the same again. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah, going to yeah, roll yeah, an ankle again. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Because it's weak. It's, it's well, susceptible. Well, it's bit. weak. Possibly it's weak. Even if you've done sick rehab and it's exactly yeah. back to where it was before, why, yeah. why do you re-injure it? Yeah. 
possibly the reason is well you're back to where you were before right but now yeah one maybe it's weak or the tissue hasn't laid down as well mm. blah, blah blah but two like you got injured in that position in the first place when your ankle was in that was that way in the first place and yeah. what makes you think it's going to be different this time okay. right so i think that's probably um and again not necessarily my unique view but one that i have picked up through um, various different things that a, a little bit of a an issue in in rehabbing is generally people get back to where they were before but where they were before was how they got injured in the first place so you need to actually rehab Improve. better to where you were yeah. before so one of the key things that um dr andrea spino who's the functional range conditioning guy says is you'll always regret not training in the position that you got injured in okay um so specific to so if i if i roll my ankle at some point in that rehab process at the right time and that's dependent on lots of different factors mm. i need to now train that ankle in the in position, the position it got injured injured okay. in yeah and teach it to like produce some force because i've never done that to be honest i've rolled the ankle many times yeah <laughs> most people like it's not you don't see people yeah, doing that taught to at the same time do you know what i mean i wasn't told oh let's take that joint exactly that place where it got injured and yeah make it strong in that position exactly but but if you don't then even if you get if you do a really really good job of your rehab get the range back on it get the actual ankle functioning the same as the other one mm. get it strong you go however mm. you injured your foot or your ankle if it's playing football you go play football again yeah. if you you get knocked and you yeah. roll it it's gonna go again yeah. right so and that's that's just like I guess that's kind of like um, a more like a, a very specific example, but I think the the idea is important. If you have a MCL issue and mm. in your knee, um, what are you doing to teach that MCL to produce force mm. so that if you end up in that situation again? So this, yeah, I guess just just being just a bit of fear, don't it? If you've had definitely a, fear, but it needs injury. to, I guess, yeah, it needs to almost like happen early on. Yeah. Um, but Get always in way. a safe and, <laughs> and like non-painful way, yeah. I think, is the key. Um, and, and another thing, like I guess, one uh, another thing that's like a big problem, I think, when people injure stuff is generally the advice is like, so you injured your ankle. I don't know what happened, but say, mm. for example, uh, the advice that you get from a lot of people is rest. Yeah, I sit and rest. Stay off yeah. your ankle. Okay, so now you've got an acute like inflammation of tissue in that ankle and all of the um, cells that rush to, to try to to heal it and like reform that broken those broken tissues mm. um they have no direction in what in how to heal that ankle so they just okay. kind of like stick a load of tissue down yeah. so i like and i yeah, think cool, you have an ankle that doesn't that's very like it doesn't move well yeah. it's like yeah. super blocked up because yeah. you probably heard it and then you just didn't do anything with it oh, very true yeah and so it just didn't heal in the way in the in the, the tissue direction that of the tissue that got laid down is just yeah. a bit higgledy piggledy yeah. so it doesn't you don't have the same range that you had before and you and it's the same like it's i remember when i i tore the uh tore the labor in my shoulder and had another joint uh ac joint tear i've been playing football a couple of years back and um i went through the nhs to be fair pretty great system that you can yeah. get like scans and everything through that and um i met with a surgeon through the nhs and he was like yeah, you need surgery on the labrum, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. You're going to be in a cast. You can't move it for six weeks. And I was like, because mm, I have lived with my pro rugby playing brother for years and yeah. saw him go through many different types of surgery. Okay. And always with the top surgeons, the thing that they were getting to them to do almost like with the day after surgery is move. Okay. It's tiny. Yeah. But the key thing is if you don't tell the joint or the area, yeah. the tissue, what it's supposed to do, you're going to end up with tissue that is just higgledy piggledy. It's all over the place. Um, so yeah, so that I I kind of got went private after that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, and I think I just think that's a really important thing is like a message. People hurt stuff and they just don't do anything on it. They yeah. wait till the pain goes away and then they go back. Now you've got like probably a, a much shitter joint than before, <laughs> a much shitter tissue than before, and you go straight back into what you what were doing, doing before, before, and yeah. then you wonder why. Again. exactly so i i mean and i guess it's not anyone's fault if they don't know how, like if yeah. you didn't know how can yes, you exactly i didn't know like i've injured my ankle twice on both legs from football yeah so it was never a case of me being told oh okay we're gonna do this 
taking the joint to this range where it got injured to try and get it stronger there it was always a case of okay cast it rest it and just crack on like yeah. <laughs> and then you just end up rolling it again and exactly i'm wondering why pissed. you've yeah. got it and i'm talking about the shitty ankle that yeah. you have but it's not you yeah. didn't have that in the first place yeah, exactly um, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's no, it, like, I don't think it's anyone's fault, but I do think there is a gap in people. And, and uh, yeah, maybe less so in the elite sport world, but it still does happen. Um, yeah. But there is a gap in understanding for most people who are interested in training and exercise yeah. and fitness um, and just generally being able to move pain free between oh, yeah. having an injury. Like they're, they're obviously totally different to what's available to a normal person because they'll be getting massages every day and checkups straight after a game and all this sort of thing like in the real world a normal person won't really have that yeah so someone goes to play football on a weekend for a saturday team or a sunday team and they get a couple of knocks and whatnot the next thing they're doing is going home and sitting down yeah they're not going in straight into physio do you know what i mean exactly yeah so it's obviously a lot more um challenging and um, but that's what i mean i guess the the messages that are kind of communicated are if you have an injury i sit and rest it and then wait till it's not sore and then train again. <laughs> when that, you know, that is just like a, not a very efficient way or effective way to look after that injury, I guess. So we hope, like we shouldn't, so we've got written down here, we sh should we wrap ourselves in cotton roll? Like, uh, <laughs> are we, so, so we're super scared of injuries. Yeah, you um, So yeah, I mean, the thing is. the right to train, like. The th yeah, the, like, Injuries will always happen, no matter how diligent you are in having really sick joints or and doing all your rehabby, prehabby, whatever it is, um, injuries will happen. It's just you can never foresee all of the mm. load experience that you may experience in all different angles, especially if you're involved in any kind of unpredictable environment like sport and high intensity type training situations. Yeah. Um, but I think it, one we kind of spoke about it before in the last um podcast like people need to train like we are a nation or a part of the world where people are dying and you know being super ill because they're not yeah. doing enough yeah. movement and exercise so number one yes people really do need to be right. doing exercise and training and and finding things that work for them but i think on the flip side of that is we need to re-earn that right to do that stuff yeah. if you have been you know if you as a child um have done gymnastics done it all the way through then yeah like you you ha have already have the right you've maintained that right to yeah. do the crazy shit that you do in crossfit or gymnastics or whatever it is that you like yeah. to do if you gave up doing sport age 10 15 20 25 whatever it is and then you um decide you want to get back into exercise because you realize you need to be fit mm -hmm. then you you you've probably given up the prerequisites or the rights to do what you want to do yeah, and, yeah. and you need to earn that back um, and that's where I think the responsibility lies with the fitness industry and trainers and people who should know what they're talking about to, to be yeah. aware of that stuff um, and I think yeah there's there's ways to kind of get a bit of both yeah. like you can if you have someone who comes in who's got a really sh really shitty ankles for for example yeah. but they uh, you know hips are okay spines okay a little bit shoulders all right like you can still have them doing like some squats you might just do it to a box you might just get them yeah. to offload the ankle portion yeah. or whatever but at the same time you could be working on improving their ankle yeah, stuff yeah. and over time they're then improving their um freedom and their you know, range of movement and and what they can do and you'll then you can start adding to that to that stuff um, so yeah, I think it's like, obviously you can't wrap people up and cut more people need to exercise, they need to move. Um, and we should be, we shouldn't be fragile about that. Injuries will happen, but I think we can be no, better yeah, in it's preparing people. For yeah, it. it's, it's, it's good. Like we have, uh, you kind of need to earn the right to train, yeah. maybe not train on like a wide scale, but certain things or, uh, for example, um, there's a guy who's in a gym and um, I've started implementing Nordic curls with the client. Like it's quite advanced. Yeah. You wouldn't really, you, yeah, you've yeah. got to be at a certain level to try to even to start to attempt a Nordic curl, yeah. right? And the client in question, she's not, she's not getting the full um, expression of the Nordic curl. It's still like, okay, try and nail the eccentric. Yeah. Then on when you're trying to pull up with hamstrings, you're gonna have to give a bit of momentum for now and just keep trying to strengthen that hamstring but 
she's at a stage in her training where I can rotate something like that in to try and develop her. Yeah, you know to mean? push things on. Yeah, but she's earned yeah. that. Yeah, she's, she's got earned, there. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, got yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously some, this guy in question, he's, he's seen her doing it and then just started doing it with her. Yeah, okay. What do you think happened? Kamsinte. <laughs> yeah, he injured himself. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he I think it's something with the back. Um, but also I said to him, like, you shouldn't have done that. Mm. Like, you're not ready for that. Yeah. Like, you sh- you sh- there's no right for you to absolutely, do that because yeah. your body's not ready for it. You haven't got the strength yet to try and attempt a movement like that. And then what you've done, you've gone, oh, I'm just going to try this because I've seen it. And then you fucking end yeah, up getting exactly. injured. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that happens with loads of stuff. It happens people doing handstands, people doing mad pistol squats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where, you just, know, like yeah. people are like, oh, that so looks cool. I want to do that. that. But yeah. like, what makes you think you are ready, are ready for that shit? Yeah, I guess yeah, that's, it's not, it's not good. that's the, the key thing. So hopefully what we're trying to just rein it back a bit, we're trying to emphasize uh, our point on maximizing joint health and as you said the load bearing capacity of that joint and i think a lot of people can benefit from that and reduce the risk of injury obviously yeah exactly yeah. and then if you improve the joint health everyone can benefit would you agree yeah 100 percent. i think everybody needs their joints there's a reason yeah. we have them um, if you are 70 years old you might need them so that you can continue to get out of bed and walk upstairs and pick stuff up um, if you are just like like training in the gym you know like you're but equally like your nights out like what are the things that are, or even if you just recognize that exercising is important for your health mm. what's the key thing that's going to knock you off that if you can't exercise if yeah. you're injured yeah. right so those people also need to invest some time I guess the degree of how much time you invest is re- like relative to um, what you how, what training means to you or what movement means to you yeah. um, but for most people I'm kind of guessing most people listening to this podcast are you know into training in some sense and, and, and that forms you know relatively important part of their life then for those people you if for longevity of what you're doing um, to remain robust or you know even when you probably will get injured at some point but yes, you may yes. be able to reduce the severity yeah. of that and also um, get back quicker. Yeah. So those people, they should be really investing some time in yeah, in having robust joints and tissue that yeah, will kind of allow them to to make their training a lifestyle and not just like yeah. a blast and until they break. Type I think thing. generally being stronger. Hundred percent. Well, that's increasing the, the capacity yeah. of your tissues. Like yeah. strength training is, you know, in in all of the research, strength training is one of the number one ways that injury incidence is reduced. Um, and w- all that does is inc- yeah. increases the capacity, the force bearing capacity of tissue. Um, I guess just like we kind of talked about before, pushing it a little bit further from a yeah. mobility, mi- if we want to label it, but from a mobility perspective, we're now just taking the sort of smaller ranges or the parts that maybe traditional strength training exercises don't always hit and yeah. we're teaching them to, to bear some load and, and be able to reduce force. So just taking things a tiny step further, I guess. And also allowing you to be able to do more strength training. Because yes. if you move better, then you can you squat better yeah, and you, you can, can deadlift more. better. And yeah. you can, um, uh, as we said before, like distribute that first forward this. And maybe now you can also lift more. So you've got more low bearing yes. capacity on, the, on what you have. So it's, you know, it's not, they're not, it's not a competing side to things. I just think it's, imp- it's really important that people be looking at their joint health and capacity and tissue capacity in terms of like being able to move well for a long time like people don't um they don't degenerate as they age from a physical point of view they degenerate as they age because from a physical point of view because they don't do it they don't do it stuff anymore they do more and more sitting around and less and less movement and our body loses what we don't use like you if you go to asia you see 80 year old people sitting in the street squat, in a full yeah. squat and they do that all day yeah, and they do that. yeah and that we could do well we could do that as kids right yeah. like as yeah. and then we Lose sat in it. chairs and yeah. we lost it um so yeah i think like it's possible for people to feel really good to not just constantly be in pain or have niggles etc throughout their lifetime but they have to invest in that at some point they've got to realize that it's more than just like smashing things up i guess no not at all you can't just smash your body 
Right, moving on quickly. Um, so again, joint health is key. <laughs> so get your joints healthy and strong. Um, so we're going to move on to some self-care. Obviously, still kind of intertwined into the joint health, um, maximizing the load bearing capacity of your joints, not just for training, but for general life, mm. longevity. Um, so self-care being kind, trying to maybe do less in the world that wants you to do more and run around and be headless chicken. So yeah. less chaos. Yeah, <laughs> less well, um, yeah, less So well. we're going to look at the parasympathetic nervous system, um, which is part of the autonomic nervous system and sometimes called the rest and digestive system. Yeah. Um, the sympathetic nervous system, which is opposite, um, activates what is often termed as fight or flight. Yeah. Um, so parasympathetic nervous system optimization, what, how would you describe this? Cool. So I would also just disclaim this one by saying I'm yeah. not amazing at this. Okay. Um, yeah. It is not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't come easy <laughs> to me. Um, but I think it's important to talk about because I'm trying to be better. Yeah. Um, sympathetic going in like. Yeah, but <laughs> but like it's just I guess yeah as you said the world that we live in now is about graft and grind yeah. how hard can you work no excuses I'm tired. blah 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 I didn't yeah. Sleep. yeah yeah exactly like I'm functioning off three hours sleep like yeah. blah 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 that's that's the reality of the world that we live in now mm. and I just think we are actually underrepresenting what we're capable of by 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 being that way and having that attitude. Um, so sometimes less is more being kind to yourself like those kind of things are really important and I'm not amazing at this but I'm trying to be better yeah. um, from a and so should we all really yeah exactly yeah. from a techie sciencey point of view um, you talked about the the sort of sympathetic nervous system um, parasympathetic as as Mikhail said like fight or flight uh, mode and it's basically sympathetic I always yeah, get no, it wrong. This, okay, really sympathetic, sympathetic is our fight or flight, fight or flight. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool, I'm going to crash this workout and yeah. we're going to go hard. But that's like... Sympathetic is our response to stress. Yeah, okay? And stress yeah. is not bad. Stress is really important. Stress is uh, a stimulus. It's innate. Yeah, it's, yeah. well, it, it, it always will happen to us in life. And, and it's actually... I, I read a thing recently and it was talking about like, there is no good or bad stress. It's just stress. How mm. we respond and perceive yes. to it is what makes it potentially good or bad. Um, but stress is super important. Stress is how we get fitter and stronger. Yeah. Uh, stress is how we progress in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, our response to stressful simulate, uh, stimulus is to switch into that sympathetic nervous system, which is that kind of fight or flight mode. Yeah. That's super beneficial because it basically um, switches on all the kind of physiological pathways which allow us to like be energetic to do yeah. more yeah to to supply energy quickly to our muscles to yeah. be switched on engage it's you know yeah. it's, it's it's really beneficial and yeah. um, but it's also very taxing if it's uh, abused yeah, or, yeah exactly yeah. um on the other hand the parasympathetic side of things is is when we're chilling when we're taking some time yeah. off how we feel how chilled out we feel rest and digest rest and digest yeah exactly so it allows our bodies to concentrate on on all of the things that need doing that get shifted to the side when we have a stressful okay. thing going on. So when I'm, uh, when I'm, okay, I'll use an example of myself. When I'm sparring, say for example, I'm doing jujitsu, that is super stressful, okay? I'm having to work super hard. I'm like genuinely a little bit concerned for my life. You know, like working <laughs> really die. hard. Yeah, <laughs> maxular, maximal muscular contractions, like high uh, aerobic, anaerobic input, blah, blah, blah. It's good for my body to be in that fight or flight mode because that allows me to do all that stuff. But in order to do that, I do that at the cost of things like digestion I, and, um, you know, like uh, fixing any kind of cellular issues or whatever else. So mm. all that kind of like uh, maintenance stuff gets switched off when I am in that fight or flight mode. Yeah. So then the parasympathetic side, when you're resting, digesting, when yeah. you're chilling out, that's the time when all that stuff gets done. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's yeah, really important. Yeah, yeah. So you hear it all the time. Like you're only well, I say it anyway. You're only as good as how well you recover, recover. or rest or whatever. And it genuinely is true. You can smash training. You can eat really well, um, and like be lifting really big, training really hard, whatever. You, you're not after a certain point. You're not going to see results if you don't allow your body to recover. To, yeah, because that they all of those are stressful sim stimuli. And in order to adapt and, and what we see as improved fitness or strength, mm. 
you have to be switched into that parasympathetic nervous system. So I guess, yeah, my, my key is just like in a world where people are all about the graft and the grime, like you're doing yourself a disjustice or a, is it just an, an injustice, disservice, yeah. Yeah, yeah disservice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that if works. you um, <laughs> don't allow yourself time to, um, yeah, to just like adapt to that stress and so that you can be better the next time. And like that being said, I have like, also you see working on the gym floor for years, you see people training six days a week, coming in, smashing, sometimes two a days and all this sort of jazz. And a lot of the time my response is, you're probably doing too much, dude. Like, yeah. You could just chop that in half. So with programming for obviously like one-to-one clients, I'm gonna have a one-to-one client training with me more than three or four days, realistically, yeah. for like finance, financial reasons. So on average, I have a client maybe two or three times a week. And they do any of their own stuff? In the, in Some the will time? do their yeah. own stuff, but they're gonna, we talk about rest and stuff, they're gonna have enough rest, yeah. right? But I have a strict rule with online clients, I don't program more than four days training. Okay. I won't do it. Yeah. yeah. And even outside of that, I still have, I still want to have some say in what that person's doing on the other days. Yeah. So if someone's training four days a week on programming, and for example, she might want to do like a sweat. So I'll say, all right, cool, but one or two max. Yeah. That's it. You can double up one day with your strength and then a sweat, and yeah. then maybe a sweat on another day. But then like, we've got to have like two whole days rest, at least two whole days rest. Um, there's another girl I train who's a triathlete and so the things with her were very very difficult because yeah. I had to get programming just right because she's training a lot yeah. with her swimming her running her bike she's mm-hmm. doing that like all the time and what we're trying to knuckle down on with is sleep and getting her to like make sure she get eight nine hours sleep mm-hmm. per night and just sacking everything off that gets in the way of that yeah. so with programming I was like okay cool let me see what you're doing in terms of your triathlete program. What can we do on that day? Can we do lower? Can we do, where does it fit? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. there was a bit of a logistics to work out. So we came to an agreement. She's only does strength training three days. Yeah. That's it. And it works. We just made it fit into her diary yeah. in terms of what she does on each day compared to, like, also she can't do a big squat session and then go for a run. Mm. Or she can't do a big squat session or do a run and then go for a big, it's does not going to work. Yeah. yeah. So we had to figure this out logistically and allowing her body enough time to rest, recover. But also at the same time, you have to allow a period of adaptation time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. she wasn't doing strength training before. She wasn't doing squats. She wasn't doing box squats like as regularly as we're going to be doing it. So then we insert this program in there's going to be like, I don't know, two, three week period where she's going to be a bit slumped because she's allowed adaptation time. And over the course of time, like the programming, which is generally mostly strength stuff, um, your lower end ranges, there's some things that are higher end, but depending on what we're doing for that session, over the course of time, I think I got it really good because now um, she's feeling a lot more powerful, mm-hmm. like transitioning from like a bike to a run. Yeah. A lot more hip strength, a lot more power in the legs and uh, a lot more stronger upper body in the swim and stuff. So yeah, it's, yeah. But at the same time, yes, we've got the programming right, but I'm still trying to knuckle down with her. Okay, dude, we need to get sleep. Like, yeah. You need to sleep. Yeah, exactly. You can't be running on six hours. Exactly. It's not going to work. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a more challenging case. So yeah, when you're working with athletes and they have to do a certain amount of training per week or per day and yeah. then you've got to also just you know it's about adaptations then you've yeah. got to try to periodize that w- within the week and over yeah. over the long term so that there are times where they get much you know lower volumes or times where they can just have that recovery time and that, yeah. that becomes super challenging but even just as you said for kind of like you know day-to-day clients who, who just want to get a little bit better or fitter or whatever um it's important that they yeah. And I and I speak from experience because I'm not very good at taking rest myself, um, and I am a I'm definitely a like high octane person. Like to have loads going on. I like the chaos, you know. Like I like to train twice a day. I like to move. Um, but I I yeah I don't I don't rest so well. I'm Nobody definitely better. Exactly, rest. and I know, and I know it happens to me. It happened like two weeks ago. I 
you know, built mm. things up too much and I had and I went too too far and had to take like yeah. a bigger block of time off. And that and uh, that happens. That being said, I just wanna say one thing real quick. That being said, like yes, like you're high octane, you wanna go all out, you're kinda like fast twitchy, you wanna train twice a day and you wanna you wanna you wanna do these things quite intensely, that's great. But I do wanna say that uh, I think there's a misconception with a lot of people that you only burn fat and you only grow muscle while you're sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. There is no fat burning exercise. So yeah. I see this shit all the time in social media. Oh, do this because it's going to burn loads of fat. Well, no, it doesn't burn fat. Yeah. You're expending energy. Exactly. Yeah. That fat. Possibly it burns fat, but it also possibly yeah. burns carbohydrates. Yeah, but it's you're, just you're, a fuel. You're, you're, you're expending. It's not. Yeah, exactly. There is no fat burning exercise. A and muscle, actually, so, so yeah. I, I will. I'll just slightly disagree with you from yeah, a physiological on. point of view. There are exercises. There are ways of training that utilize more yeah. fat. Yeah. The difference is it's not necessarily the fat that you have in your skin. Like it's not yeah. what you carry. It, it, they will use the fat that's within muscle and the fat that w that's within yeah. your blood. They're not, it's not that you are taking that bit of fat on your yeah. arm or your leg yeah. and using it to feel that exercise. Where yeah. what you're saying is basically exercise reduces body fat because it yeah. often, it can reduce body fat because you end up increasing your energy expenditure yeah. and as long as you don't also subsequently increase yeah. your energy intake you now have a difference yeah. and you and now you yeah. utilize body fat stores exactly to make exactly. up for that gap exactly so, so you it's could, not about it's, what yeah, you do in a like way it doesn't like you if someone's deadlifting right and they're in a calorie deficit diet will they burn fat yeah yeah of course they will yeah, but yeah. would i say deadlifts are about fat burning exercise I wouldn't say that. It's just because I mean, person. yeah, but you wouldn't say that because yeah. you know it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that because <laughs> yeah. it's not. No, it's just the, it's the uh, expenditure of ex energy that's going to exactly. get you that result. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to go in and go, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm burning fat. It's like, oh. yeah, and and I mean, I guess the reason that strength training is really important and and that yeah. you kind of focus so heavily on it and less on the cardio side of things, if yeah. we're going to talk that way. Um, is that benefits. it's not yeah it's not necessarily about the energy that you even expend in that session yeah. it might not be that much um, as long as you kind of get a little bit of a grip on your intake and, yeah. and work on the nutrition side of things yeah. what it will do is it will allow you to build some muscle yeah. and what muscle does is it increases your metabolic yeah. rate in general makes the tissue that you have look better yeah. so I can be 70 kilos and be 25% body fat or I can be yeah. 70 kilos yes. and be 10% yeah. body fat exactly. and I'm going to look very very different. And that's because you're leaner. Yeah so muscle. it's body composition so I've got a lot more muscle, muscle. and that yeah. looks as people like to say toned. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's but where. you can only do that while you're sleeping. Well you are what do what? Grow sleeping? muscle. Um, so not you will also grow like that protein synthesis happens yeah. all, all the, the time. time yeah. But you if you aren't sleeping enough yeah. you are inhibiting your ability you to yeah, okay. grow. Yeah, and especially if you've been training for a little while. Yeah. So say, you know, someone who's literally just, never yeah. seen a weight in their, in their life yeah. before. They could have a shitty diet, not sleep enough, yeah. go drinking every weekend. They'll probably see results to start with. Yeah, um, yeah because they've come, they're starting sort of right at the bottom. But if you've got someone that's been training for a couple of years or you know longer and, and has kind of already been pushing stuff then they're not seeing results and that's because they need to start knocking down on the yes. external factors and sleep is one of those yeah i think like generally if someone gets a bit more experience they kind of need to do less yeah exactly you can yeah 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 because it, it becomes more intense because you're gonna have to move more weight exactly so like your three sets might be a lot more intense compared to a beginner who's doing five sets exactly and that's why yeah down the technique and whatever and that person who's a bit more experienced has to spend more time recovering, yeah. making sure nothing down the diet, and then keeping those three sets very intense exactly. in terms of what the load they're using to get that response. Yeah. And as you said, getting the uh, protein synthesis to happen all the time. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of you know, maximal efficient dose in whatever you're doing. Like, Don't just throw everything at it yeah. and hope you get the response you want. Find someone or find a way to do to get the response you want with as little, little work as yeah, possible because then you've got room to go exactly. you don't have to 
you know, spend as much that. time training. You don't have to spend as much time recovering. You can yeah. do other things in your life, but you're being efficient about what you're getting. Yeah, and totally one thing that, that really feeds into that is how well you recover and how well you recover depends a lot on exactly. your nutrition, your sleep, and also having some days yeah. off and switch off time. Sometimes I have conversations with people about like exercise choices or why don't I do this and why don't I do that? And I'm just like, well, I don't need to. <laughs> I just want to keep things as simple as possible yeah, exactly. so then I have so much more room to grow yeah it even boils down to like what kit I wear when I'm training like I won't wear a belt as much anymore because I want to allow my body to do as much without it and then if I add it yeah yeah I'm getting a benefit yeah you know exactly I mean? yeah so it's just like even things like that it's just makes a difference yeah keep some tools in your in your belt as yes, it were like exactly. don't throw everything in the first place so how else can you help people or advise people to optimize that parasympathetic nervous yeah, system so uh time off obviously is is key and, and being not i see it all the time people are like yeah i love training i need to train every morning oh shit i also need to do another <laughs> session now like how do i keep getting better yeah. and just keep throwing but so yeah being smart about having and being a little bit strict with yourself like you can go do more in what you're doing but yeah. but take good time off um, the biggest one for me is sleep. Um, I don't know. I read a, or listened to a book by Matthew Walker called The Science of Sleep and Dreams, and it has changed my life. Cool. Um, and it, it's pretty long, but there, I know there's a podcast on Joe or Joe Rogan's on a podcast okay, cool. interview with him. Oh, cool. um, so if you want a kind of shortened version, I haven't listened to it, but I believe it's pretty um, detailed and good. Um, and yeah, he basically has just looked at all of the research on sleep and why we sleep, like what's important for it. And mm. long story short, it's important for absolutely everything. Yeah. Like if you're not, th so like again, that, that whole like trendy thing now is like, only, I'm oh, functioning yeah. on four hours sleep. I'm mm. in the gym at five, in the office at seven, home at 12, yeah. like blah, blah, blah. And not like cool, you're man. literally just doing yourself a disservice. Like you're one, killing yourself because yeah. it's number one contributor to all the big diseases <laughs> number two you're just like you can't you can't function as well as you should mm. like you you are like functioning at a, a percentage of what you could yeah, be yeah, of your yeah. potential yeah, um if you want to lose fat if you want to grow muscle if you want to get better at your sport if you just want to be fitter all of those things are going to be massively determined on how much you sleep like the, the studies are even getting only seven hours sleep per night yeah. your like concentrations worse your memory is worse your ability to so your ability <laughs> to avoid road traffic accidents as a driver is worse all of these things effective yeah massively affected and that's only seven hours people be like yeah i'm getting seven, seven like hours, it's loads yeah. so yeah i think that one for me is like literally try and prioritize it yeah if you if you don't do anything else like have a look at your sleep and and get more try it for a while give yourself mm. two weeks where you say i'm gonna get to bed by whatever time so that i get eight hours in bed every night mm. and give yourself a bit of time because if you're not used to sleeping early whatever it's going to take some time yeah. to adjust and just notice your productivity go through the roof like if you're like no i've got to be in the office for 12 hours i've got so much shit to do Try sleeping a bit longer and see if you can get the same shit done um, in nine. Time, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, and I, again, speak from experience when I was sort of riding the end of my PhD, I made a real conscious effort because I, I wasn't, I didn't have to be in loads of different places. I was literally focusing on riding every night. I, I tried to get nine hours in bed and it's my ability sleep. to write on the days when I got nine hours was like threefold as good as when mm. I got less for whatever reason. Okay. like my concentration my ability to like think clearly all those things mm. just yeah blow out the water and like so the reason that i'm say the last couple of weeks that i haven't been that i've been struggling with my recovery and my training i haven't Sweet. really changed my training load but i haven't been sleeping different. well i haven't been okay. sleeping enough for various different reasons and i and it's really affecting those things and i should have been sensible to adjust just, yeah. for that but my nature wasn't really <laughs> Still want to do all the training. That's how so. it goes, though, mate. People are like rushing around. Exactly. But me myself, I'm not good at sleep. I'm probably running about six, seven hours during the week just because work. You get home, you want to chill out exactly. a bit. Exactly. It isn't. It isn't easy. No. I get that. I understand, it. especially if you've got a job where you're kind of bookend your day, possibly yeah. with clients, or you've got loads of stuff on. I really do understand that, and trust me, like I'm in the same boat now. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm more getting more six, seven, and even though it hurts my soul. <laughs> um, but I do think, like, 
you could be better. Yeah, you could 100%. be a better person yeah. in so many ways if you focus on sleep. And and for me, it's the same thing with training, like mm. maximum effective dose or minimum effective dose. Yeah. Like maybe you don't need to have such a stressful long day if you are more effective at what you're doing. Like how yeah. much of that time do you waste? Like how efficient are you in what you're doing? And like if I'm honest, I'm not I am often super inefficient, like waste mm. time doing all sorts of stuff. Mm. So like maybe you could take some of that shitty time, time on social media sleep. go to bed for an yeah. extra hour and see see how that feeds in uh, yeah so that's my number one um, in terms of maximizing you as a person but also your training no 100 agree all right guys we're gonna wrap it up um hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's episode uh, with alish um you've been listening to the power moves podcast mm-hmm.